I'm going to, uh, I, I want you to, I don't want you to say it out loud, uh, of course, unless you can't help yourself, but I'm going to, I'm going to say a phrase and, <laughs> and just think about what, what pops in your mind and, uh, but, uh, image is everything. You know, when I, when I first heard that phrase, uh, I thought about a, a, a guy that used to play tennis, a tennis pro, Andre Agassi. He did a commercial and, uh, that's all he said in there. Image is everything. You know, we, you think about that. You know, that 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 could be that could be good and bad. But uh, you know, today we live we live in a in a social media uh, smartphone crazed world. It's it's everywhere you go. I don't know if uh, you guys. I, I pay attention when I'm when I'm driving, and I see this almost almost every driver. You know, and so we live. It's just we're we're just saturated with with uh, with. Well, where's mine? It's over there with that little that little device and and. Uh, you know the the pictures and the the endless selfies that we pose. You know they they want to always show the best of of our life. You know when you when you've had a, a, a something tragic happen, you're you're not likely to take a selfie in the middle of that unless you're just a a little mental. But but you know you're not likely to do that. It's usually when you're having fun. You know you're out and you know there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, you know the image that we wish to portray. What is it? You know, it's, it's, look at me. Look how, look how much fun I'm having. Look how, look how beautiful I am. Look how, look how successful I am. You know, and it's, uh, it, the Christian selfie, you know, is no different. You know, it's, you're taking it, you know, the, the homeless guy, you got the $20 and, you know, look how, look how spiritual I am. You know, look how, you know, if, if, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if it, if anyone's gone that far, but you, you get the point, you know, they, it's, it's showing, you know, look, look at me. Look how spiritual I am. Look, look how, uh, Look how blessed I am. You know, the selfies are made to mask a, a true condition of a person, the real condition. The facade that selfies create, they're meant to cover up the brokenness. They're meant to cover up the hurt. And they're meant to cover up the pain that we have inside. You know, the, there are there are three things that all people have in common. And and uh, I read this on a, on a actually on a social media post, and I've never forgotten it, that uh, everyone you meet has a need. Everyone you meet has a, has hidden pain and everyone you meet has potential. So we, we all have, we all have a need. There's, there's a need. Some of us have, have many needs. Uh, you know, we, we all have, uh, we all have hidden pain. Everyone here, uh, unless there's any newborns, their pain is, is visible. But, uh, you know, and we all have potential. So, you know, there's good news. There's good news. Social media, it was, it was made for people to connect with each other, if you think about it. The, the purpose of social media was to connect, connect people with each other. You know, and for the most part, I would say that it does. Me and, me and Shannon have talked about, man, sometimes just wanted to delete your, your Facebook and social media, and then you think about when you go see family that you hadn't seen, and sometimes people you hadn't seen in years, they talk, they, the, your conversation is one as if they've almost, there's been no time because oh i just love the pictures that you show oh and then when you know your daughter or your son was doing this and and so it it, it does connect it does connect us and it, and it keeps us it does keep us connected but you know in the middle of that something else happened the the intent to connect people something else happened social media created the new way for people to live double lives because we can portray an image on social media that is not true in real life and and you can you can get you can really get lost in that 
somehow it also it deceived people into believing that if you type words into a computer, into a smartphone, hit that send button, that it's not the same as talking to someone face to face. A lot of people have been deceived and they think that if, if I'm sending this, it's, it's, it's not the same because they would never say that to the person's face. For the most part, most people. So, social media, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, you know. They, you know, the, typing into, to that, to that smartphone, you think that you can say anything without repercussion, that whatever you type is not the same as if I'm telling them face to face, but it's the exact same thing. So image is everything. What about the real world? Is image everything? You know, I always, uh, whenever God gives me like a phrase or a word or something, I always look up the Webster's Dictionary and, and the, the definition for, for image is pretty extensive, but, uh, number 4A is the one that really caught my attention. And if, if you, uh, if you look in your Webster's, 4A says, it's two words, exact likeness. And, and, and in Webster's, this is the, this is the example that it gives. God created man in his own image. Genesis 1:27. If you keep reading in verse 27, it says, uh, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, um, men and women, we are each made in the image of God. We reflect the very image of God. His exact likeness is, is what we, we were meant to do. So what image are Christians portraying? You know, in general, what, what image do Christians portray? It's no wonder that people have a, such a messed up view of God because of the image of God that we portray with our lives. You know, the, the, that's the bad news about people that they're probably the number one thing that turns people off. But you know what? The good news is people are the number one reason that others come to Christ. So it's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. <clears throat> so image is everything. Or is it? So, uh, this morning there's, there's, uh, there's three things that I want to talk about. The first thing is, uh, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? What does it mean to be created in the image of God? I'm gonna, I'm gonna revisit, uh, Creative Dominion. Uh, it's a teaching that, uh, that I learned about through, uh, Dan McCallum. Number two, our life as it is and as it was, Romans 8.28, is for the purpose of God. Our life as it is and as it was, Romans 28, is for the purpose of God. The good, the bad, the ugly, the evil, it all makes up who we are. And the third thing, Romans 8.28 is followed by Romans 8.29 and 8.30. And uh, I always think of Stevie Ray when, I, when, you, when you read past Romans 8.28 and you go to 29 and 30, what, what does it say? That we're, we're uh, conformed to, to be conformed to the image of his son. So... Uh, that is what makes all things working together for good worth it, worth believing. So uh, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? Image means exact likeness, according to Webster's. In Strong's, it has a, a little bit of a different meaning. It, it has a, it, it, it's from an unused root meaning, meaning to shade, to shade, excuse me, meaning to shade, a phantom. That is figuratively illusion, resemblance, hence a representative figure, especially an idol. I thought that strange that, that where it says that we are made in the image of God, that that word image, it means a representative figure, especially an idol. And so if you think about it, 
you know, the, the, the people who worship the, the, the water bottle, this is, this is the idol of the, of the water bottle God. It's, a, it's an exact image of, of, what they, of what they worship. And so God created man as a representative figure of himself. That is, a, that is the reason God created man and woman, is that we would be representative figures of, of himself and for himself. You know, God, did, he didn't create little, little human idols, but he did create man and woman as, as representatives of him. I'm going to read, if you would go to uh, Genesis 1.26. We're just going to read what, it, what the word says. <clears throat> Be reading uh, verses 26 through 28. <clears throat> then God said, let us make man... In our image, according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over everything and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Excuse me, I need to get me a Kleenex. I wasn't going to pull someone from the congregation, so relax. <clears throat> That's where uh, Dan McCallum actually gets the teaching for uh, Creative Dominion, is, is through those scriptures. So how do we best represent God in our life? Think about that. How, how if, if we're made... To be representative figures of God Himself, how do we best represent God in our life? If we're Christians, shouldn't shouldn't that be a that should be a pretty important question for us? If if we are claiming to be uh, children of God, it is by living up to our God-given ability in the area of creative dominion. And so, uh, if you've not heard uh, any any on Wednesday nights or Sunday nights or anything of, of when I when I teach or preach, creative dominion uh, is something that I've, I've brought. It's been a, it's been a while back, but uh, so if you're not familiar with that, I'm going to give you an example of what uh, of what how how it looks like in the real world. Have you ever had an idea for for an invention, but you didn't act upon it, and then later on you saw that your invention on TV, somebody else acted upon it. They they were. Um, they were operating in the creative dominion. See, what creative dominion really means is that God made us in his image. God is, a cre- is creative. That, that's his nature. And he has placed that in us. Everyone here is creative. We all, we all have cre- creativity. So you think about that. You have an idea. You don't act upon it. Someone else has the same exact idea. They act upon it. And so... Guess, guess what? Guess what they what they did? They operated in the creative dominion, and therefore they're they're going to enjoy the reward of their obedience for acting upon that idea that God gave them. They're going to enjoy favor, authority, and influence. Because doesn't isn't that what happens when you when you come up with an idea and whether it's an invention, a, a new way of doing stuff, and 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 it, it's something that you know that originates from God and it, it you know it makes a difference in the world. When you operate in the area that God created you for, you are, you are a true representative figure for God. And you will have favor, you will have authority, and you will have influence. You know, um, what I've learned is that one of the biggest mistakes that, that we Christians make 
is that we think that, that, that our personal ministry has to be in the church or through the church. That if we're not doing something in the church and we're not doing something through the church, that, well, I don't have a ministry because I'm, I, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not on staff. I don't, I don't volunteer. I don't do anything in the church. That's, that's one of the biggest mistakes for most Christians. Our, our workplace is our place of ministry because we spend most of our day there. And so what Creative Dominion really says is that God may have given you a gift, may have given you creativity to market something. And, and uh, one, one of the things that Dan McCallum says that he used to see marketing not as, a, not as crea- being creative, but as like, like something, something else. And, and uh, when God showed him this, he said, that's, that's a tool. You know, it's, it's, a, it's like a, an artist, a, a poet or a musician when you when you write a piece of poetry, it's not arrogance to to share it. You you become vulnerable because that's your heart. That's that's your that's your heart and soul. And so it's not arrogant to to share a song, to share a poem, or to share to share something that you created with someone. It actually makes you it leaves you vulnerable, makes you vulnerable. So uh, don't make the mistake that because you're not involved in church ministry that you don't have a ministry. So your ministry, it, your place of ministry is where you spend most of your day. And where do most of us spend the most, uh, our, our day at is, is work. Except for, except for the retired folks. They get to, they get to make their own day and stay busy, uh, in the shop. I know two guys here that are retired probably work more now than they, they have when they, uh, it's like me. Whenever I, I need some rest, I just, and on my days off, I go back to work. So. Just kidding, Jen. But you know, so where we spend most of our day, while you are there, the, the place that you spend most of your day, are you living up to your potential in the area of crea- in your area of creative dominion? Think about that. If if we are representatives of God in this world, and we have a, we have wherever we're at the most of the day, are you living up to your potential? Are you are you doing what God has called you to do? The reward of your obedience will be, will bring you favor, authority, and it'll bring you influence. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female. He created them. To be created in the image of God means that you live your life in creative dominion according to the purpose and plan of God. Everyone born is creative. When we discover in ourselves what that is and choose to live up to our potential, we will enjoy the reward of our own obedience, which is favor, authority, and influence. And now, this is not a, a, a quick process, though. You know, the, I, I know for me, my journey of trying to, to discover what I was made for began at when I when I was 40 years old, when I was at when I was at Seoul, and the question that the the general manager asked me, "What do you want to do with your life?" And I and I, I was like, I was floored because I didn't have an answer. 40 years old, I thought I was doing what I wanted to do with my life, and and I didn't have an answer. I didn't know. I thought I was doing, and so. That led me on a that led me on a on a path on a journey, and let me tell you that is a journey worth going on. To pray and ask God, God, what if, what am I made for? Why why did you create me? Why am on why am I on this earth? Why why am I here? Why did I go through all the things that I went through? 
why did I do, why did I end up here? Why did I end up here? And, and, and just going on that journey and, and reading and, and just, just, just trying to discover. And when God shows you, it's, it's not over. When God shows you this is what you were made for, then, then it, it, you've just made one more step towards that journey. So every one of us is born creative. When we discover in ourselves what that is, then, then we have to choose to live up to our potential. Cause just cause you, you find out and you discover why you were made, it, it doesn't end there. You have to choose to walk in that path that God has made for you. If you're taking notes, we're on number two. Your life as it is and as it was is for the purpose of God. Your life as it is and as it was is for the purpose of God. And, and you know, th- this is a, you, you think about it, you know, hearing it doesn't sound so strange, but when you really think about your life, my past, my present, and my future, they, that all makes up who I am. Because, see, you, and you think, okay, well, your future, you haven't had that yet. You, you don't know what that is. In the realm of eternity and what God sees, God sees my past, God sees my present, and God sees my future as it's already gone. And so all of that makes up who I am. And uh, I know for me, that's, that's, that's a very humbling thing to, to know that God has created me for his purpose because of my past. And so just think about that. It all makes up who we are. Romans 8.28, and uh, I think we all know what it says, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. The first example uh, in the Bible that I want to give you is uh, is Joseph. About I think he's he's probably his life is one of the best of uh, Romans eight twenty eight. <clears throat> I'm going to go real quick uh, through the story uh, uh, and the life of Joseph. Joseph uh, at age seventeen he was the favorite of his father Jacob. Now think about that he was his dad's favorite. That sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? To be the, to be your dad's favorite. And and it should be. But Joseph had dreams of his brothers and parents bowing down to him. What did Joseph's brothers do? They end up selling Joseph into slavery. And they tell Jacob that Joseph was killed by a ferocious animal. So it makes you question. He's probably going, wow, maybe this uh, dad's favorite is not such a good good gig. So Joseph is sold to Ishmaelites who take take him to Egypt. And... uh, while he's in Egypt, uh, he, we know that he gets put in prison. Joseph is sold as a slave to an Egyptian administrator named Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph and falsely accuses Joseph of assaulting her. By choosing to, to do the right thing, he ends up in prison. Doesn't sound good. Doesn't sound very good to me. While in prison, Joseph gets a reputation for correctly interpreting dreams. The Lord was, was with Joseph. That's a, that's a, that's a phrase you hear often in the story of Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph, uh, he gets promoted to deputy Pharaoh in Egypt. Pharaoh, and he gets there because Pharaoh has troubling dreams that none of his wise men and magicians can interpret for him. So the guy remembers, hey, I know, uh, I know of a, of a Hebrew that's uh, in prison that can interpret dreams. So Joseph is called to Pharaoh and correctly interprets Pharaoh's dreams and counsels Pharaoh to prepare for the fulfillment of his dreams. Dream number one, Egypt will have seven years of bountiful harvest. Dream number two, Egypt will have seven years of famine. 
And so the last part of uh, Joseph's uh, life, he's reunited with and he forgives his brothers. Joseph's brothers come to Egypt and they do bow down to Joseph. Now, age 39, and they ask for food. Think about that. When Joseph had those dreams at age 17 of his brothers and dad bowing down to him, at age 39, God fulfilled those dreams. So um, when God shows us something, it is a good thing. But know this, that you will have to have to walk that out if you want to see it fulfilled. Joseph is captured. Uh, Joseph does not take revenge on 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 our, uh, his brothers. And, and the question is, why? Joseph is captured by the upper story where God is working his purpose within the ups and downs of his life. God was at work in the new nation and God will reveal himself through it. God made provision through Joseph to sustain the new nation during severe famine. So Joseph was God's agent. He was God's representative figure to save the new nation by bringing the new nation to Egypt. And so um, the, the Israelites in Egypt, they were shepherds. The Egyptians considered shepherding an abomination. In Egypt, there was no intermarriage to, to dilute the new nation. Intermarriage was a threat in Canaan. While, while in Egypt, the Israelites grew to a great nation of over a million people. Joseph had 21 years of a hard life, but he had 71 years of a blessed life. God is at work in the midst of the details of our lives, accomplishing his good purposes, Romans 8:28. Knowing that God's storyline is unfolding, even in bleak and confusing times, allows us to live freely, being able to forgive those who sin against us. God tests us in order to build our faith in him, and to build strong character in us. And so um, there's a, another story I want to read. And uh, just bear with me. These are, when I, when I, I actually got this story from a devotion. And it, is, it, it really had me thinking. But uh, the story is, is, is in the form of a, of a teacher and a student. And uh, so it's called the, the Shepherd and the Fisherman. It was in a place like this, said the teacher, far into the wilderness where an old shepherd was tending his flock by a mountain in a desert bush. He had no idea he would become the deliverer of an entire nation. Moses, said the student. And then there were the fishermen casting their nets into the waters, having no idea that they would one day become some of the most famous people who ever walked the earth, the disciples. And there's a pattern, the teacher said. Moses, in his former life, was a shepherd who led his flock through the desert. God would then use him to shepherd a nation and lead the flock of Israel through the same wilderness. The disciples in their former lives, they were fishermen. God would use them to become messengers of Messiah, fishers of men. Their former lives corresponded with their redeemed lives. So God takes the former life and redeems it to use for his purposes. He does, said the teacher, but the mystery is deeper. God created and purposed them from the beginning to become what they would become. So it wasn't that Moses became the shepherd of Israel because he was a shepherd of sheep. It was that Moses became a shepherd of sheep because he was to become the shepherd of Israel. And it wasn't that the disciples became fishers of men because they were fishermen. Rather, they became fishermen because they were to one day become fishers of men. And so it is for all of God's children. And so it is for you. When you look back at your life, you will find hidden within it this mystery. You'll find a Moses in the wilderness, a fisherman 
in the boat. Your life was a mystery waiting to be redeemed. A mystery in which was embedded the seeds of his purposes to be used for his glory. It wasn't that he happened to discover your life and then decided to use it for his purposes. It was that you were what you were because God had purposed from the beginning what you would one day become. Your life was a shadow of that which it was made to become. So commit every part of your life, all that you have and all that you are, to the will and purposes of God, and your life will become that of a fisherman, become an apostle, a shepherd, become a deliverer. All that it was created and called and formed to become, all it was waiting to become from the beginning. So look back at your life. What is it that you were meant to do and to be? Take steps today to, to all the more fulfill your calling. And so that's what the, the, the point of this story is for me to tell you is fulfill your calling. That everything you've gone through, all, all that you've ever experienced, it's part, it's all a part of it. You can take anyone from the Bible who, who, uh, whose life is detailed in scripture and, and, uh, there's a common, there's a common thread. That, that I've found that the greater the calling, the greater the cost. That's, that's a common theme in the Bible. Jesus, son of God, had the, probably the greatest calling, had paid the, paid the greatest cost. So as Christians, we should desire to be great in the kingdom of God. Greatness in his kingdom. I'm going to read, uh, if you want to go there, Luke 22. And uh, verses 24, Luke 22, we're going to read uh, 24 through 26. Now, there was also a dispute among them as to which of them would be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he who governs as he who serves. Who here this morning desires to be great in God's kingdom? And is anybody? Is that anyone's desire? No? Nobody wants to be great in God's kingdom? Huh? Okay, all right. So we need to be as one who serves. We need to be, uh, if you govern, which means a leader of any kind, you need to be as one who serves. And then to the older people, be, be as the younger. It's okay, it's okay to, to be as the younger. You know, I've often wondered and I've questioned why some people seem to go through so much. And me and Shannon have had a conversation. You know, why, why is it that some people, it seems like, man, it's just tragedy after tragedy. And once they're done with the tragedy, it's a trial. And after the trial, it's tribulation. And then maybe a little, a little victory. And then it, it just seems like it's one thing after another, one thing after another. You know, I think it's the same as as, uh, as those in the Bible. The greater the calling, the greater the cost. Some of us go through what we do because of our calling and know that the cost is great. So your life, past, present, future, is for the purposes of God. So Romans 28, it is a good thing. It is a good thing. And number three, Romans twenty-eight, Romans eight twenty-eight is followed by Romans eight twenty-nine and eight thirty. And so, what is the what is the purpose of all things working together for good? 
why, why, why would, uh, what would that, what does that mean? And uh, if you read on, it's, uh, it is to be conformed to the image of his son. You can go back to Romans 8.28. And this time we're going to keep reading. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So what that tells me, there's, there's a purpose for the pain. And that deserves a hallelujah. <laughs> there is a purpose for the pain. You know, think back. Think back to all that you've ever gone through. Think back to all that you've ever been through. Some of us may take a little longer. Uh, but, you know, think about that. How has that contributed to where you are today? How has that contributed to where you are today? All the pain, all the heartache, all the abuse, all the sorrow, the ridicule, the death, all of it. matters now do this for me think of the worst thing imaginable that could happen to a person the worst thing imaginable and even that god says works together for good even that works together for good so the question how how does that happen is it just it just god just zap us and, and and that becomes a reality in our lives there's uh something there's a battle that's called uh, God's will versus your own will. It's I'm talking about free will. You must you have to choose it. You have to choose it. You know everything that I've gone through in life, I've I've chosen to let that be. That let Romans eight twenty eight be true, for me. That everything I've gone through, everything I've experienced, God had a purpose and a plan, and so I've chosen to believe that. And I've chosen, I've chosen to act on it. And it hasn't always been easy. But let me tell you, it's been worth it. It's, it's been worth it. So let me tell you guys, don't pray that you want to love like Jesus loved and then walk away from God when you experience betrayal. Don't pray that. And then when ridicule comes, well, I don't know about this God thing. If you want to love like Jesus loved, you're going to have to live like Jesus lived. You know, Al, Al said this of tongues, but it is great advice to anything that requires faith. He said, God knows how to get to get us where we need to be. You're expecting God to do what he has called you to do. Man, that hit me. That really hit me because think about it. What does scripture say? That they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What is our part? We have to. You have to lay hands. You, ha- you have a part. God will not do that for you. But if you're obedient... God calls us to be obedient. And you know what? If they don't recover, I was obedient. If God told me to pray for them and and to lay hands on them, then I've done my part. And so we have to remember that God knows how to get us where we need to go and where we need to be. But don't expect him to do what he has called you to do. 
So being conformed to the image of his son. How are we conformed to the image of his son? By choosing God's will over our own. It sounds easy when when it's spoken. I choose God's will over my own. But try living that out. It's It's a different story. And you need to know and believe that as you live your life, and as you do good deeds, and as you move in faith, that you are called, you are justified, and you are glorified, just like the scripture says. And if you notice, it's past tense. It says, um, moreover, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. In God's, in God's world, it's already done. It's already a done deal. We just have to catch up. We just have to get through this thing called time and space and reach it. <clears throat> God calls those things that are not as though they are. Romans eight twenty eight through 30, that requires faith. It requires faith. But don't live your life expecting God to do what he has called you to do. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I have a, one more story before I close. <clears throat> Imagine if you would that your life is over, but you're in heaven. You're in paradise. Seeing and experiencing things which before you couldn't even begin to imagine. If you were able, would you go back to earth? I see some heads shaking no. Would you go back to earth if you were able? Most most probably wouldn't. But there are things you'll never be able to do again. Even in heaven, things you could have only done in the time that you had here on earth. Faith. You'll never again be able to live by faith. You see, in heaven, you're going to see all that you believed in. But you'll never again be able to stand in faith or choose to believe God. Earth, not heaven, is a place of faith. And in heaven, you'll never again be able to choose to stand with God in the face of opposition. That too can only be done here on earth. In heaven, you'll never again be able to repent or to bless God by turning down sin. In heaven, you'll never again have the chance to share salvation with the unsaved or to bring a life out of darkness and into the light. They all know him there. In heaven, you'll never again be able to help someone in need Or to bless God by doing so. Heaven has no needs. In heaven, you'll never again have the honor of standing with God when it costs you to do so. Or to share in his reproach. In heaven, you'll never again be able to sacrifice for God. There's no loss there. And in heaven, you'll never again be able to overcome or become victorious. There's nothing there to overcome. The place for victory is here. The place for all of these things is not heaven, but earth. And the time for these things is not then, it's now. You see, earth is a most awesome place. And every moment that you have here is a most precious gift. I'll never forget that. Every moment. 
one that you will never have again, even in the eternity of heaven. So think about that. Where, where is the place for faith? It's now. We won't need faith in heaven. We won't need to be victorious in heaven. We're already going to experience that. The place for faith is now. To the, the, the time to choose God's will over our own is now. If you don't know why you were created, you need to pray and you need to ask God. God, why was I placed on this earth? Why am I here, God? Why did I go through all that I did? Why? I'm going to tell you, I spent, I spent 10 years asking God the hard questions. I had the opportunity, and I say opportunity lightly, of having nothing but me in my mind to think about a lot of things. I had 10 years in prison to think about where I went wrong, why I went wrong, what happened. What, why did I go through this? Why did it take me almost killing someone to come to the Lord? Why did it take that? I asked the hard questions, and God, through the years, filled me with the answers. I don't even remember the time or the place, but I just remember walking it out and just one day just realized, wow, that's why that happened. And then later on, wow, so that's why, that's why I became like I became. So the place for faith is here and it is now. So what does it mean to be created in the image of God? See, everyone is creative. Every person in here, every one of you. Every one of you, everybody in here is creative. Don't ever let the devil lie to you and say, let him tell you that you're not, because you are. It might not be creativity in the church. It may be in, in, the, in, the, in the working world. You may, you may become very successful because of the creativity that God has placed in you. And that's your calling that God has placed on you. You don't have to be an artist or musician. To be creative. That's, that's, that's false to believe that. You were made to operate in the creativity that God placed in you. God placed a creativity in each one of us. My advice is you find out what that is and you begin operating in that. Your, your life, past, present, and future, is for the purpose of God. It makes up who you are. All of it makes up who you are. Everything I went through, everything I did. Except who I am. The greater the calling, the greater the greater the cost. And always remember that Romans eight twenty eight is followed by Romans eight twenty nine and eight thirty. We were made to be conformed into the image of his son. Okay, would you? To be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That is enough to believe that all things work together. For good. So now, what are your thoughts when I say image is everything? Image is everything. You know, um, many times when I'm getting music ready, 
some, I'm, I'm be honest. I don't, I don't always like pray. Okay, Lord, please speak songs. But it, I'm always thinking about God. I, I, I need you to, to to lead me into what what's going to be played. And uh, our God saves. Our first step. We need Jesus. And and uh, here in a minute, if if I'm going to give you an opportunity, if you've not made Jesus Christ your Lord, to make Him your Lord. You know. And then I thought about worthy of it all. You know, we become saved, and guess what? We, we're we just so in love with Jesus and just, God, you are worthy of it all. You know, from from you are all things and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. And then we get to that point where to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. And so I'm going to ask right now, if there's anyone that's not ever made Jesus Christ their Lord, if you've never done that and God is pulling on your heart, I'm not going to tell you to do it quietly. If God is tugging on your heart, you take a stand for him. And and you say, God, I want you to be my Lord and I want you to be my Savior. Because he tugs on you. He tells you when it's time. So, if we're all there, God, then he's truly worthy of it all. What he has given us and what he has placed in us, he's worthy to receive it back. You know that it says that delight yourself in the the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know why he gives you those? He's the one that placed them in there. He's waiting for you to catch up and to say, God, this is what I desire. This is what I want. He's like, I've been waiting for you, son. I've been waiting for you, daughter. Here you go. Desires of your heart. And then to live, to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you, Lord. We know that there is nothing we can do without Him. If you would join me in prayer, Father, there is nothing that we can do without you. Nothing apart from you, Father. So you are the God who saved us. You are the God who pulled us out of the darkness, Lord, out of all the stuff that we're all the junk, all the dirt. It just, we were dirty, Lord. You pulled us out of there, Father, and you washed us and made us clean, Lord. For that, you are worthy of it all, Lord. For that, we thank you, Lord. And then you placed us on the path, Father, of discovering why we were created, why we were put on this earth. We have a purpose. And Lord, those who don't know why they were created. Father, reveal that to them as they seek you. And those who don't know what their creative creativity is, Lord, what, what is their area of creative dominion? What is their sphere of influence? Where do they fit in? Father, reveal that to them too. And I pray that we would allow Romans 8.28, Romans 8.29, and Romans 8.30 to be a reality in our see all things working together for good and why so we can be conformed to the image of your son and we know father image is everything to be an exact likeness of you lord is everything lord so we offer up this prayer lord just like the incense father we offer it up to you lord day and night lord night and day Incense arise, Father. 
Let our prayers go up to you, Father, and take the light in us, your children. In Jesus' name, we bless you, we praise you, and we thank you. Amen. I knew there was more for me. I enjoyed doing what I did. There's always more to do. So let's go out there and let's be creative. Amen.